0: Let me take another look. I Found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. trip on a
1: cloud and fell eight miles high, high. I tore my mind
0: on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the news, so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in. See what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I
2: lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do.
3: There's just one thing, dude.
1: What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about?
4: Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down.
3: Well, I'm up at i and talking Time out Greg Pappas on the board. SB Futures down 23, yeah, 23. ASA Futures down 148, just before the CPI number. We actually ducked down all yesterday, so... If the number isn't good and we don't come back, we have two down days in a row, which we haven't had in a real long time. Do we have, a uh, Professor Carl?
1: You do, you do indeed. You know, um... <laughs> this this parabolic thing is uh, fascinating to watch and um, I have this suspicion although I may be wrong about the, the precise timing but this this particular period of time right here to about the end of March is especially dangerous if this pattern is going to play why do you say that? I mean, um, well, because you've got about another three months, uh, maybe four, before the doctrine is, thou shalt not interfere.
3: Um, and yeah, but sometimes they do. Or by well, non- but by not interfering, they're interfering sometimes. Well,
1: uh, yeah, but the The other side of it is that there is this, and and I I have no idea where this comes from. I hear I hear this from so many different people. Uh, in fact, I heard it in the pub the other day.
3: Uh, Just walking by, you weren't in there.
1: No, I was I, I was in there. I was I was drinking a beer. Oh, I so was uh, doing the, yeah, a, yeah, the big glass shock
3: of, the glass of milk put in a dirty glass. Uh, Larry, yeah, Larry Stooges. Yeah, was,
1: yeah. <laughs> boy, fine. Yeah, well, you know if 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 you didn't know me better, you'd say you know, gee, did a horse put that in there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the 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 funny thing about it was that there was the the guy that was chatting with me. Um, he had a triple levered. Uh, one a, a triple level ETF on the Qs. I don't remember the name. Oh of yeah, it you know, those are around. They're all over the... yeah, there's you know there's there's twenty of them now in different sectors and stuff like this, right? And uh, and he was, boy, he was just cheering. You know, he's he's up seventy four percent in the last you know year and a half, whatever. And I, and I looked at him. And I said, you know, so I just grabbed my phone. I brought up a quick little chart. And I said, you know, triple levered, huh? Mm. You, you ought to be up, um, you know, like 160%. Eh, that's, not
3: the way to, they, that's not the way they count it.
1: Well, but... Well, and I said, you do realize why you're not, right? And he's he's like, well... Um, I said, no, it's because they're daily compounded. I said, so when there is a downdraft, you're not going to lose three times the loss because that works against you both ways. You're going to lose, like, five.
3: Well, actually, uh, I think the way... <laughs> There's more of a backstory to this. It's even dumber than you think. And I, know, I know you think it's pretty dumb, the product, because they are. I mean, uh, well,
1: well, I don't necessarily. If you're a day trader, they're not necessarily dumb. They're they're an okay day trading vehicle. They're just stupid to sit on.
3: Um, we had a well, PTI Securities as as a securities firm gets a periodic audit from Finra, you know, which is about like a root, root canal, but um, <laughs> yep. Um, but anyway, we do. So, I do a lot of discretionary trading for people, you know, I manage money, right? So, I had one client who wanted to try this thing out, and I was kind of all against it, but he did anyway, right? But technically, it's still a discretionary account, so I put on the trade. Did like one trade. So, the, the FINRA guy comes in, and he's like 25 years old. And he he starts giving me grief, because Finner has decided, <clears throat> these products are so bad that you shouldn't... On a discretionary basis, you should never trade them for somebody. Now, I'm a professional, but it's okay for people to trade them themselves don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. So I said, th- the guy's like 25. I said, you know, Joe, I think his name is Joe. Joe, please sit down for a second, will you? I said, I'm an older dude. I've been doing this for 40 years. I said, these products are horse bleep. They don't, they don't deliver what you say. And on any given day, I believe, Carl, you are correct, that if <coughs> the market goes up 2% today, they're going to go up 6 but if at the end of a month, where it's up and down, up and down, all over the place, the market's up 10, don't count on that thing being up 30. Am I correct?
1: Well, it actually is likely to be down.
3: Well, it could be, could be that. But I'm saying
1: The, the, the only reason yeah. that he's up at all is because the ramp has been so severe.
3: Right, but on a daily basis, I think they're pretty close. On,
1: the, on a daily basis, they are almost exactly correct. Yeah, right? right.
3: So I don't know. How the hell would you even manage that... that Contract? If you were, if you were the firm doing it, I mean, what do you have? Do you have oh, twice so as many puts or f- twice as many calls or futures? Or
1: what do you do? Well, right, it's all it's all done in the futures market for the most part. Okay, and, and because the futures market is a you know is levered. Okay, I mean you know futures positions are inherently levered because uh, all you put up is the margin. Um, yeah, but they're one to one.
3: They would never do that.
1: Well, I, I I get that, but the thing is, is that. It's it's what you have to have up in order to put the contract on, right? And they're closed at the end of the day. That's why they get the. Essentially, they rebase every morning.
3: Okay. Yeah, well, I knew they did that. Yeah, but it's good. It's 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 pretty complicated. Yes. Yeah, so if you just yeah. if you think that the market's going to be up ten percent this year, don't buy that thing on a yearly basis, thinking you're going to be up thirty.
1: Uh, uh, yeah. No. I mean, if you think the market's going to be up ten percent this year, just buy the cues, and, and well, yeah. take the ten percent. And, and if you insist on, on playing the, you know, I want more leverage than that, then, then go buy some calls, and, uh, you know, if you, if you really want to play fast and loose and so you don't care about the money, uh, you know, it really is a, a speculative bet, then, then don't worry about protecting the other side of it. Just just, just make a straight call by, and if you're wrong, well, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, then it's a zero, you know, but, but it was a small bet.
3: So, I, uh, yeah. Well, uh, so anyway, I said to the guy, "Why do you approve a product that I can get in trouble for trading?" And he looks at me like, "What do you mean? I go, what do you mean? What do I mean? What are you yeah. doing?" Anyway, yeah. I have a question for you because uh, you um, this isn't your area, but you uh, you seem to surprise me with things that you know about. Me being in the in the radio slash podcast business or on a small scale. I mean, we spend it here all the time. Um, There is a... Uh, Greg was telling me this, this morning about this Robert Kennedy ad and the Super Bowl. Oh, I saw it. But how he's he's apologized to his family because he, he thought it was in bad taste. It was somebody... Apparently, he didn't know about it.
1: Well, he, well, he can't legally know about it. <laughs> right.
3: Oh, but I, mean, I think most legal. of them do. Most of well, them do. He,
1: well, I understand that, but he, he didn't make the buy. Right. And... and Legally, he not only can he well, he could have made the buy if he had the money himself, but but he wasn't the one who made the buy. Uh, but once that pack did that, made the decision they were going to do that, uh, not only could they not tell him about it, he couldn't stop them
3: But I, mean, I think some of these people are much closer to these packs than they're supposed to be. He may not be. But
1: oh, look, it's, it's illegal as blankety-blank oh, yeah. for, for them to coordinate in any way. But, but, and in fact, the Democrats are after him supposedly for being too close to the attempts to get him on the ballot in all 50 states.
3: Well, why can't you be close to that?
1: Uh, because, be, uh, because you can't coordinate with PAC no matter what they're doing at well, all.
3: First of all, most Americans, if you ask them, would say, why is it so friggin' hard to get on the ballot?
1: Well, I, I uh, look, I, I don't disagree with having a lot of people on the ballot. Look, I, <laughs> I used to be on the EC of the Libertarian Party when I lived in Florida for crying out loud. All right, I mean, you want to talk about where you know where we had this kind of a fight on a regular basis. Right?
3: Are, are this, does anybody even think this is close to democracy anymore?
1: No, I, I, look, the, as I have pointed out repeatedly, and I've really been banging on this drum over the last couple of years, uh, very loudly. Essentially, everything that is wrong with this country can be fixed with the antitrust laws, if somebody would actually enforce them once in a while. Oh yeah, but you're not going to get that. Uh, well, but we're going to. Well, then you're going to get a long depression because this—the entire reason we got a Sherman and Clayton Act originally was exactly due to what is going on today, and what it led to in the late 1800s. And people do not remember that before there was a Great Depression, there was a Long Depression, and it was a lot worse. Yeah, well, you well did,
3: it was worse, but it was bad.
1: Uh, it was very bad. And if yeah. you think the 1930s were bad, oh boy, you do, you know. But what triggered it was the same kind of speculative BS in railroads, primarily, not just in railroads, but primarily in railroads. Okay. Any any and any
3: business that started out, if you. I mean, me being a you know somewhat of a I won't say expert but historian in railroads uh every dirty trick that you see in in business today the railroads invented or people invented with the railroads
1: oh absolutely and you know people think this is something new like all stuff going on with the medical system and yeah, oh yeah. the monopolists oh oh please it's not new and and it screwed a lot of people and that was why 15 USC got written and and of course now you know it's <laughs> As I observed the other day at a podcast, and put it up there, uh, states all have these laws too. Okay, but they vary in their strength. So, you know, I used to live in Florida. I lived there for 20 years. Florida's antitrust laws are kind of squishy, in that they're, yeah, it's illegal, but for the most part, it's a civil thing. Okay, right. you know, so people, so so okay, so we could sue someone, but that's kind of you know, okay, yeah, that's you, you nice. You could
3: sue Microsoft. Good luck.
1: Well, not only that, but if they sue Microsoft, if the government comes after them, because they have the resource. you know, they have unlimited resources, just kind of like Microsoft, right, uh, they could take money. But the thing about lawsuits is all you can take is money, and if you sue a corporation and you take the corporation's money, you don't actually take money from the corporation, you take it from the customers. Right. right? Well, if so if they're, certainly
3: they're <laughs> if they're a you take it from the customer.
1: Well, exactly. What if it's if perfectly
3: competitive, you actually do take it from the corporation.
1: Uh, but but yeah. nothing is. But but it isn't, and yeah. so what ends up happening in the case of a monopoly is you actually take it from the customers.
3: If you, if you took it from a corn farmer, you're taking it from the corn farmer.
1: Yeah, but, the, but that's... Yeah, n- that's you know, so rare,
3: well, or, you know. Or well, but actually, in the case that you're... A saloon, case if, that you, if, you, if you took it from a saloon owner, you're taking it from the saloon owner. Right, that's pretty but Chief, competitive. the
1: point is, if you're suing in an antitrust situation, you're taking it from a monopolist.
3: And you're going to settle at a price that they're okay with.
1: And, and and right and it's going to come out of the customers' butt right okay so the thing is is that that's you know that's the problem now Tennessee on the other hand <laughs> the other day I, I finally got a wild bee in my bonnet and started reading through TCA the Tennessee code annotated Tennessee not only declares such conduct to be a criminal felony go to prison everybody who does it they they even went further than Sherman and Clayton they have a clause in theirs that says, your corporate charter is forfeit.
3: Okay, so h- how the hell are they going to do that for Microsoft and, and Oh, no, you
1: have to foreign, re- oh, in order to do business in a state, you have to foreign register. We had to, when I, when I was running MCS, we had to register it up in Wisconsin in order to be able to set up in Milwaukee.
3: Wisconsin was the hardest, when we started the business in 1991, at PTI, Wisconsin was by far the hardest state to register your securities firm in.
1: Well, we got. It was no. uh, it was
3: basically run by, uh, Lowy of Milwaukee. And who were the guys that were in Madison, control the whole state. Yeah. What was the name of that well, place?
1: Uh, I don't remember, but it was because they ended you know. up
3: they did the first. You know the uh, the, the state uh, th- things for investing for your kids. What do they call oh, it? Oh, the,
1: the yeah, that, yeah, five thirty nine.
3: Yeah. The the, the, comp- the the guys that they did in, in uh, Wisconsin were charging people like one and a quarter percent for like the S&P 500. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but my, my quick question on the, uh, back to the Kennedy ad, here's my question. Uh, yeah. I, when, when we were doing, when I was on the air, okay, we, we might soon be again, but if when we were on the air, I would constantly get these memos from, there, there's a time of the year around the election time, I don't know if we're there yet. I mean, we probably are with 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 the. Uh, I, I don't know if the primaries count or what, but anyways, there's times around elections where if a if a politician wants to run an ad, the station has to give them the ad at the lowest price they charge anybody at any time of the day. So they were they used to send me ads saying don't don't give somebody an ad for like 50 bucks because if all of a sudden somebody's running for also if you interview somebody, everybody else gets the same amount of time on the air.
1: Uh, that's a fairness doctrine, and I think that's gone.
3: Well, but it used to be, but not only just on your show. In other words, right. I mean, if I was, if Stocks and Jacks was on, well, we used to be on, when John and I were on a score, from five to six, don't give anybody an ad for like 50 bucks because somebody else could demand the same ad for 50 bucks like an afternoon drive or something.
1: Right, right, but I think that's but I believe that that the fairness doctrine specifically is gone.
3: Well, I guess my question is, did the did the Kennedy ad, even whether he didn't run it or did somebody did, did they get the cheapest price of channel whatever the hell it was all day long on Sunday, or do they have to pay the Super Bowl price? I bet they didn't.
1: I I don't know. Um, and and it's been long enough since I've bought advertising, I mean, you know, did a lot of it when I was running my company, but it's been long enough since then that I I don't know the answer.
3: Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I'm I'm curious. I mean, you
1: know, the way it was 20 years ago isn't the way it is today.
3: I I think you're probably right about that with the cable and everything, but still, I I don't, I, I can't imagine a political thing paying list but then if they didn't, where, 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 where are the rest of the guys? I mean, if it was that well, cheap I wouldn't to be...
1: Well, sur- I wouldn't be that surprised if they did. And, and frankly, I was rather shocked to see that... Me too. ...on bit. the Super Bowl. I, was, uh, I mean, you know, there was... Although the, the column I put up this morning was on another one, which I found... I mean, the Kennedy, the Kennedy one I thought was a little weird. I know, did too. Because of, because of what they did. But the one that, that angered me was Microsoft's ad for Copilot, and I actually wrote a column on it to put it up this morning, um, because it is it was deliberately misleading, and and of course you know advertising is always and everywhere to sell you something, right? Right. And and Copilot is Microsoft's AI. Uh, that's their brand for their their thing, and the implication. Because all of the people that were in it, of course, you know, advertising today, there are no white people, right? It's all, it's all very... What do you mean? They had Christopher Walken. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, there's always, you know, there's always some downtrodden, you whatever, whatever yeah. the thing is, right? And so, you know, it was, it was full of that. And it was, you know, oh, you can't, you know, you can't get your act together in terms of figuring out your your science fiction movie, or this, your that, or whatever, and you know, co-pilot to the rescue, blah blah. blah. You, 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 I mean, they're selling you something, right? You know, you, you you see an ad for a car, the car doesn't just take you to work; it also gets you the girl, right? Oh,
3: yeah, well, that always was the key.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's you know, but everybody knows that's you know, that's a load of crap. But on the other hand, that's what they're you know, that's what they're doing. Okay, fine. But the, but the offensive nature of this was that you ain't good enough to invent on your own, to come up with your own creative stuff. Now we got to have a computer do it for you. Oh, sure. All right? And then the second part of it, the part that, that really angered me, is that it's not yours. And the reason is, the copyright office has already ruled on this. If you use AI, you can't copyright it. Which means if you use it to produce the, you know, that scene in your science fiction movie, you can't copyright the work anymore. Well, who gets it? Nobody. Nobody. It's anyone's. It's public. It's it, you can't copyright it. Neither can Microsoft.
3: Well, at least I like the part about they can't either.
1: Well, yeah, they can't either. But but, boy oh boy, how many people are going to get a surprise of the ugly kind? When
3: you put out a movie, if if 40 scenes are AI, uh, you can
1: go ahead and do it, but then if I steal it, that's just too. How
3: how would if I go watch the movie, how the hell would I know which ones are AI, which ones I can steal, and which ones I couldn't?
1: Well, you (laughs) good question, right? I mean, that's always the (laughs) I guess, doesn't it? So, so you know, in a world where we don't care about the law, I guess it comes down to you know, how, how much can I threaten you, even knowing that I can't actually sue.
3: Well, they would have to sue me and say you picked the wrong scene.
1: Well, I understand that, but you know what I'm saying is that the you know, but how many of these guys would would actually not be on? They'd sue you anyway, uh, even though they know they really can't.
3: Um. Oh yeah. Well, that's that happens in patent law all the time.
1: Happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Already happens all the time. But yeah, that's. I mean the. You know, the 900-pound gorilla in the room is that the same thing applies, you know, for example, with software. That was one of the other examples that they used in their advertising was, was some guy banging code, can't figure something out, and Copilot pilot gives him the answer. Well, that's nice, except now you just created something, that a piece of software that you can't file with the Copyright Office.
3: All right, hey, can I shift gears here for two minutes? Because we are actually talking, we have the CPI coming out today, and the market obviously yep. is... Not real happy with what they think the number is going to be. Uh, uh, yep. My question is, we had um, Audrey and Jan on yesterday uh, talking about uh, real estate, and then we had uh, your best friend Janet Yellen talking the other day about the the inflation and so forth. And it appears, uh, this is just one man's observation, but I think it's fairly accurate, that the uh, commercial property, especially in some cities, is essentially falling apart. In it's somewhere. going down the toilet, yeah, right. Uh, the residential property not only isn't really going down, it actually crept up last year. And Audrey says, hey, just uh, people are not selling, so the the supply is short enough to where the uh, price is high and people are trading dollars that are selling one. So she says there's no hint of any of that, at least in her Chicago suburban area that she sees. Uh, Stock market, obviously it's not happening there. Um, the, The position of the administration is uh, the hell with inflation because people's uh, incomes are going up fast enough and we'll continue to do so and we'll get out of this mess without a problem. Except uh, that
1: they're not, but okay.
3: Well, we know they're not going up that f- well. But if inflation stays at 2% and people keep getting raises for another 10 years, I guess you could say well, we, you and I, even as much as we don't think it might happen, we'd love to see it happen, that everybody just caught up.
1: Oh, that'd be that'd be a beautiful world. Yeah, right, but it's also a completely unrealistic expectation. I, I'm with you on it,
3: but I'm saying, we're we're. Is there a chance that we can? Obviously, it's not going to have a commercial real estate. Uh, and also, I also am astounded by not one story of anybody in this country having a problem with China. Is is it all just in pension funds? that They're not going to tell you somebody's losing money over there i guess, I guess uh, my question is are, are is there a chance we can get out of this i hope the answer is yes i i don't i
1: don't really see it but no i don't see it i don't i don't see a path out and i'll tell you i you know i watch the local market around here really closely okay in the real estate area um for obvious reasons all right i mean we, you know i live here <laughs> yeah. hello and um the thing is, is that what I'm seeing is yes, there are some things that eventually go, but I have I've seen several now. Uh, I mean, I think the market is egregiously overpriced in this area, and there is very little supply. Well, right? It's, it's,
3: Which, that's right, but it's overpriced based on people's income, but. It's- it's not overpriced based on supply and demand, evidently. Evidently.
1: Well, well, yeah, it is because it's not going anywhere until all of a sudden, you know, 20%. Over the space of a year, you s- I mean, I'll give you an example. I had one of the properties around here. Carl, right we have today. to save
3: the rest of this one until Friday because we've got uh, yep. Joel hanging already. Thank you for all your right. Tuesday morning. Uh, have a good week, buddy. I'll talk to you on Friday. SB Features down 22. N Z Features down 141. Quick break. and We'll be back with uh, Joel and of. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, Based I'm, I'm Tom Howell, Greg Pappas on the board, SP futures down 21, we have the NASDAQ futures down 130, Actually, actually were down a little bit more, uh, but that's that's where they are uh, uh, right now, I'm trying to get my stuff up here, I was just looking for the economic reports of today, so I'm on the wrong page. You give us a real brief traffic uh, weather, sports, and then I'll get to the stuff. Do Morning everyone,
5: it is set 634, excuse me, here in Chicago, we've got about 31 degrees, Today 40, it's alternating between clouds and sunshine here. Phoenix 43, uh, 70 in Phoenix, mostly sunny and pleasant today. Traffic, Montrose to the interchange is 10 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange, 24 minutes. We've got inbound Ike from Wolf is 20 minutes. And the Ryan is 18 minutes, uh, 95th to the interchange via the locals and 24 minutes from 294 to the Ryan on the Stevenson. NBA, Bulls beat the Hawks in Atlanta. That was 136-126. Coyotes lose at the Flyers. That was 3-5. And from the Super Bowl, that set a TV ratings record with uh, 123,000,000.4 viewers across all platforms. Nielsen and Adobe say that um, the 25-22 overtime victory... Versus the 49ers averaged across the streaming platforms, uh, one it was one twenty-three point four million, which is more seven and a half percent increase from last year's mark of one hundred and fifteen million. Um, so, big increase in the. Do you the attribute viewership. that to Taylor Swift? Uh, some would say it's the Taylor the Swiftie effect. But who are the two girls yeah. who was
3: jumping up and down with?
5: One was Blake Lively and the other was who's Ice there? Spice.
3: I don't know who those people. Blake
5: Lively was a or is a. It wasn't reality TV, but it was a show called Gossip Girl, I think. And who's whose booths who's are they in? They were in the. I want to say, Kelsey's, Kelsey's uh, skybox, and Ice Spice. Was the one who kind of got to be the Kansas scenery. City
3: sky, sky because The players don't get a skyback.
5: I think, I think, uh, the Kelseys had one.
3: Ah, yeah, the family, right? I didn't see the bro. Is he there? He must have
5: been there. Yeah, the bro was there. Okay, and that's all I got for you, chief.
3: Um, one of those girls must be single. Well, you, you're, you're ready. Bingo, there you go. Do we have Joel? Morning, Joel, how are you, buddy?
6: Good. You ready to call a top in this market? Come on. Uh,
3: Carl was just about to.
6: Okay, all right. And what is Carl basing that on?
3: Um, I think more of the, uh, I think the, the idea that some of the stocks. Are, I don't think he's calling a top necessarily on uh, the market itself, but I think he might be calling it a top or close to it on uh, on these uh, everyday up up stocks seven.
6: <laughs> okay, that sounds uh, concise. <coughs> well, I
3: mean, um, the one, the ones, the the, the the few you can pick out that are established companies that are pushing ten, eleven, twelve times revenue. I, I don't yeah. see them going too much higher. PE, I can roll with, but the, uh, the other stuff, I don't know. I have trouble with that.
6: Yeah, well, you know, the market doesn't care.
3: Uh, well, I mean, I just, I don't see Meta doubling. They're too big. I mean, if, if they, if it was ten years ago, they could, but I don't know if they can anymore.
6: Did you see GameStop uh, split adjusted going to 400, 500, 600? Did you see AMC split adjusted yeah. going to 70, 80 bucks? Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, I mean, you know, these are bigger companies. They're meme stocks.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean,
6: they do have some earnings behind them, but you don't know, what's more important than earnings, chief, it's momentum. It's a story. Well, it is. It's it moment. is now, yes. Yeah, so that, that's what you got. That's what you got in the market. I mean, I just, uh, of missing out.
3: But well, we had that in 2000, and I the, well, the danger sign then, which doesn't mean it is now, the danger sign to me then was when we went, I went back and calculated where everybody was, and some of the, the stocks like the Cisco's that, of course, were never going to go down, we ended up going down like 90%. Ugh. Uh, they were, they're were 10, 11 times revenue, and, and that's just, it's just too much. I mean, even, even if you're... You know, I, I, unless your your margin is what 100, percent it's still a lot. I'm just just saying. I mean, I you see what's going on in the uh, Nvidia? Their the earnings are uh, what? They're next week, right?
6: Yeah, you got to look at forward earnings, Chief. You just got you know. No, you I'm know, saying, the,
3: but the straddle for next Friday, the stock stock trading. Uh, well, it actually was up. Uh, what was it up yesterday? It was up twenty some dollars and finished down, right? Which yep. Is an interesting turnaround, but. The, the stock's trading seven twenty. Okay, or seven nineteen forty five. The seven twenty straddle next week is 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 $85, 87 dollars. Chief, That's,
6: you know how to trade options. Uh, you know how to trade. I will
3: tell you what, I'm having a little problem with eighty seven dollars straddle at earnings. You tell me whether to buy it or sell it. I don't know. <coughs> uh,
6: well, the, stra- the straddle guys have been getting smoked lately. Oh, without a doubt, we're not a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. What do you do when you you clip your wings on a straddle? Is that like an iron butterfly or something? I yeah, mean, yeah,
3: you buy both. You buy uh, yeah, both sides. Yeah. But then so you're you get, but then you're not getting anywhere because you're buying. Yeah,
6: you're not getting anywhere. Joseph yeah. not getting killed. I mean, and the way you got it, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of people have tried a lot of different strategies. You hear about all the great stories on Twitter. People making all the money in options, and yeah, there there are outsized moves. People have made a lot of money, but, but the majority of the money is made selling them. Now uh. you're gonna you're gonna get clipped every once in a while. And you got to know how to manage your risk, but that's just ridiculous. I mean, uh, either a you know you can pick a direction. Or go out a week like who the hell you know even if you knew the report in some of these stocks you don't know how they're going to react you don't know the guidance so uh to me options have got away uh, from what they should what they should be used for is a hedging tool and they become very speculative now with these zero dt options i mean hey you know let's just call you know DraftKings people are just gambling and Well, that's systematic of the top of the market, but you could have said that several times over the last few months. So, it's uh, a tough game. If I was long NVIDIA going into report, which I'm not, boy oh boy, I'd be selling some or extremely nervous. Um, And that's the way you got to play it. If you buy the puts, you know, maybe get a, just don't do the Friday. You know, give yourself some time. Why not go out another week or two weeks and put on a put spread? that way you're not immediately in flames if they beat. Sometimes you can, you know, either, you know, leg out of the spread or just choke on it. There's a lot of different things you could do besides paying 90 bucks for that straddle, 87.90 bucks for that straddle.
3: Well, I think that actually what you um I'm not I'm not necessarily going to subscribe to the idea that that uh, option sellers make more money than option buyers over the long term. Although I will say this, is that it's, it's very difficult for a PTI client, a retail client, to just go naked short options. Not only is it very difficult, I probably won't let you. <laughs> so, so there you go. Not, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, unless you're unless you're you know, Daddy Warbucks and you want to do a two lot or something, you know, I guess I guess I'll let you. But when I say let you, I mean we won't, we won't let you subscribe to that in your risk profile. Um, but the uh, what
6: about what about Hall Trading or Interactive well, not, Brokers? Well, that's right. But know? those
3: those guys will let you do it. Um,
6: Hey, do you, remember, do you remember CRT? Oh, God, you yeah. The, yeah.
3: Christian, no. Christian Research and Trading. Oh, well, you
6: said it, I did it, Chief. Yeah. You said it, I did it.
3: <laughs> Those are the guys with the sheets. But, but here's, here's what I'm... Uh, feel free to use this, joke because it's not... You know, it's, it's, it's one... I, as you know, I do a lot of earnings... I'll use them earnings trades. And the trade that I use... By the way, guess where the 500 put is next week in, in uh, NVIDIA? Five bucks. So, no, it's 40 cents, but still, it's 200 hours on the money. 220 bucks. That's a lot. Uh, well, yeah.
6: Wow. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't... Yeah. Anyway, so... That's crazy. But
3: well, what I do is I look at the straddle, and there should be some relationship between the straddle and the calendar spread week to week. uh uh-huh. and, and sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't for some reason. Uh, so if the straddle's 10 bucks, say, and I can do the time spread for... Less than a tenth of that, or less than a twentieth of that, I'll do it because yeah. it's, it's essentially the same trade. Yeah. And I'm going to say a lot of times we've done pretty well over the years. I mean, you know, you got winners, you got losers, but by and large, we've done okay. And uh, now this year, for the first time, I'm going to say the last 18 months, for the first time, I'm going to say, Joel, that the straddle buyers have been winners. The last four we've done, three of them, They've gone three times a straddle. I've never seen that before, ever. IBM did stocks like IBM. I've yeah. never I've never seen that. Where where we do we do the the fifty times spread, and the damn thing is sixty five the next day, and I'm going, we got the what the fifties? <laughs> how, how the hell do we do that? It's not even close to fifty. <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the or the or the thing's thirty five. Fa- I've never seen that. And one of my buddies runs he's a run risk stuff for he's huge. One of the seven or eight firms or five or six that actually traded now where it used to be, you know, thousands of market makers. Those guys are getting rocked because they're the ones that actually will, if you went down there and a the straddle's twenty bucks, and you want to buy it, they'll sell it to you. And now, with with the thing's moving like sixty, I mean, that's it's unheard of. For, I mean, you're always going to get somebody's an outlier, right? But I'm going <laughs> to say out of the last ten,
6: out
3: of the last 10, 7 or eight have blown through the straddle like dinner through a goose. Yeah. I've never they, seen yeah, that.
6: they have. They have. I, I you know, and it just I think a lot of times it you know, what's the market environment, right? Yeah. You know, and uh we've just been in this, you know, happy go lucky, you know, everything is fine environment. But you know what, Chief, I gotta hop in yep. a minute. But everything, you know, I know uh I don't know if Carl's on with us or not, and I know everyone can make the pronostications about uh the uh the market and the top of these stocks. But you know what? We got CPI at eight thirty. Yep. Okay.
3: We do. Yes, so we do. Seven thirty here. All right. Have a good week, buddy. Yeah, um, right. SP hey, Futures. I'm out next week, Chief, okay? I'll okay. send you an email. Go blue. SP Futures down 20, NASA Futures down 140. Greg, you want to take a quick break or go right to Kenny? Let's go to Kenny. We'll just go to, Kenny, are you there, bud? I am here. What do you make of all this?
2: <clears throat> so so I'm not surprised at all. I'm actually, listen, you and I will talk about it. I think it's overdone. I think it needs to pull back. I'm hoping it pulls back. A five to eight percent, would be great enough to shake the branches and enough to you know let the lose the loose hands fall out of the trees. Um, I'm not surprised. I actually don't think the CPI is going to surprise at all. It's expected to be cooler. I think it's that's exactly what it's going to be. I think what's going to happen though is you're going to get the the trader types and the algos. They're going to stamp their feet if the Fed doesn't come out and then change the narrative and suddenly talk about aggressively cutting rates. I think it's ridiculous. I don't think rates need to be cut, but you know, that's what makes a market, both buyers and sellers. There you go.
3: I, um, after what uh, uh, Janet Yellen said <laughs> last week, basically saying don't worry about inflation because people's right. wages are going up enough. Right. What what makes you think that they're not going to keep pushing the money supply up and inflation is going to be right back to the 3 4% number?
2: Well, uh, well, there's nothing, and I think that's also the fear, right? I think it's going to happen two ways. Either they just keep pushing the money supply up or... They cut rates, and that'll do the same thing, right? It'll stimulate demand. Demand will stimulate inflation, and we'll go right back to the same place, which is exactly why I think they need to stay. They need to stay with that. Now they can hold rates where they are, and I guess still increase the money supply. They could do that.
3: Um, yeah, that's that's kind of it's sort of counterintuitive, but yeah,
2: right, correct. It is, but they could do it. But I don't think they will. But that's why I think they should. Uh, just do nothing. I think, okay, the CPI report comes out today. Great, it's cooling. Yes, it's going to be sub-3% the first time in two years. Um, But I don't think that's a reason to then suddenly change the narrative. But I do think that you're going to get the trader types that are going to stamp their feet going, you have to cut rates, you have to cut rates. Uh, It's ridiculous to me. You and I have discussed this. Rates are not historically high. They are not.
3: Um, Short terms are. Five and a half.
2: Well, okay. The short terms are correct. But Listen, we're still in my mind. We're still trying to work our way through the 15 years of zero rates. And oh, I, I, I'm with you totally on that. Really I'm not balanced yet, right?
3: I'm, I'm just saying, I, I, I would. What what seems to me, Kenny, I mean, maybe you have better words to it. What they're not doing this time, even though they're pouring money in short term, they're not. I use the term policing the long term rate. They're not. If you and I say, "Wow," if if they put this kind of money in there, we have inflation like this. These ten-year rates are gonna are gonna start going up, and we need to sell these bonds. They were they were buying them aggressively for how many years? Where guys like you and I sitting there going, "This is the best short I've ever seen." Every time we did it, we got stuck. Something stuck where the sun don't shine, basically, right? Because because <laughs> they because they were buying. And yeah. then, but I think I think they've sort of stopped that. So so if, if they get the inflation back up again, I think it's gonna pop right into this ten or thirty-year rate because. People are going to say, I'm not lending you money for 10 years. If inflation rate's going to be 4, why should I lend you money Uh, at 4? I get nothing.
2: uh, Agreed. Agreed. And so I think that's why rates potentially are going to end up going higher. Look, there's ten trillion dollars worth of uh, worth of bonds that have to be that have to come to market that have to be financed, right? The government debt that has to be financed. So whether or not you want to say, oh, last week the bond auction was well received and blah blah blah, just wait. It's going to get more and more difficult. And if they keep giving money away and they keep, you know, tapping on your back and my back, rates are only going to continue to go higher. So I don't think we're certainly. I don't think that story is over by any stretch.
3: Why? Uh- I keep asking uh, everybody this. Uh, by the way, did, I don't know if you got the, uh, you're not on the, I don't know if you want to be, but on our, on our mailing list. Uh, Dan Janitas said a thing last week that said, and Kenny, I, I, you know, I'm supposed to be this monetary theory theory guy. He said the last four or five times that the feds have had a run-up in interest like this, that the first time they cut, the yeah. market, market has averaged a 20% decline. Right. I, I did not know that. Did you?
2: Yeah, well, I, I didn't know it was 20%, but I did know that the market typically declines. I didn't realize it was that as that big of a drawdown. But look, I wouldn't be surprised to see the market back off a little bit because well, look what they've done. They've taken the NASDAQ up 30% in three months. Since the October lows till today, yesterday, it was up 30%. The S P was up 23%, I yep, think, right? Yep. Uh, a lot of it all built around the narrative that They're cutting rates not once, not twice, but five, six times in 2024. Now, you and I both know that's not happening. It's just not happening. Um, And and I don't I think the Fed's been much more um, vocal about saying everyone, hey, boys, slow down. You're being way too optimistic here. We're going to take our time. We're going to do this right, blah, 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 blah. And that's where I think you're going to see some repricing, which I would welcome because I think prices have been stretched, way too stretched. Uh, I'm certainly staying away from tech. I'm absolutely not chasing tech up here at all. I own it. I have exposure to it, but I'm not chasing it. New money, I'm putting to work either. If I if I'm if I'm waiting for the pullback, I'm going to put it in government money markets and get five percent. Nothing wrong with that at the moment for a temporary. Well, fix. We, we
3: are we going gotta...
2: to look at the boring, non sexy sectors: consumer staples, uh, utilities. Yeah, you, listen, there are even some industrials are breaking out. Right, I think the industrials are going to do very well. Names like Honeywell or Fassal are great names
3: you think uh, 3M with all their issues is ever going to get off their butt?
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't follow 3M, 3M enough to know that, but but my, I mean, first, I mean, the thing my is, first reaction would be no. The same way I don't think Boeing's ever going to – I think Boeing is a disaster.
3: Yeah, I think they are too. But, you know, it's easy to be a disaster when you're a duopoly.
2: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you're you're
3: right. you don't exactly go out of business. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I <laughs> have a question for you. One of the uh, – Russell, uh, our, you know, he's been – He's probably my more our more inter, more international-oriented guest. Um, he is stunned that the fiasco in China has not h- happened to be a problem here yet. He's convinced it's somewhere, doesn't know where, mm-hmm. thinks maybe it's the pension funds are just eating some of it uh, and not saying anything, uh, maybe some of the insurance companies. But I would never have guessed that the fiasco that's going on over there would not have some big player here. I mean, what happened in China is way worse than what happened in Russia. And we went, we went through the long-term capital together, didn't we? There's, there's got to be a long-term capital somewhere around here that, that this China is affecting. And I, I can't believe it's nobody. I, but, but so well, far, there isn't anybody.
2: Well, are you talking about the real estate disaster? Well, the real estate
3: on? and the market combine it all together.
2: Well, look, we saw that the other day last week, New York Community Bank came out, right? They started to have some rumblings and then we saw a Japanese a Japanese institution get drawn into that into that fold. I don't necessarily think that that's over. I do think there's gonna be some commercial real estate vibrations in the in the months ahead, but I also don't think that it's gonna it's gonna be the downfall because I think there are plenty. BlackRock is raising money to take advantage of that of that. Event when it happens. That so are a bunch of private equity firms. They're all raising capital to take advantage of this coming decline and what they think is going to be, you know, commercial real estate. So, do I think there's going to be some some tremors? Sure. Do I think it is going to in fact start to envelop uh, uh, different parts of the world? I do think it is, but I don't think it's going to end up being this disaster that you know some had predicted. Because I think there's plenty of people just sitting there waiting for the opportunity.
3: Well, I think there are too. I, I just, I mean, I just to me it's it's a it's a much bigger, I mean, you know, you were on CNBC forever. And the last, you know, before there was AI, 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 or cloud, 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 every 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 other second, the word was China. And if you weren't yeah. putting money in China five years ago or before COVID, how many times did you sit in CNBC and everybody around you, China was like a bunch of chirping hyenas, right? Uh, yeah. So you you, so you can't tell me that, that nobody's over there, nobody's in trouble. I mean, I, you're not trying to, I'm not, I'm not insinuating you are, but... Someplace somewhere, there's, there's got to be somebody bigger than long term over there. I mean, BlackRock may be looking to get, but they've been trying to get people over there for ten years. So yes. they, they must have some clients that are gagging. I, I, I mean, I, I hope not, but well, s- somebody's yeah, got to be in they, trouble.
2: Lonely, but you know. But you and I have talked about this. It's very funny. I never. I don't do anything in China. I oh, don't. I don't invest in China. I don't do anything because I think there are a. I think there are other places to put your money, and b. I don't trust the thing that the Chinese do. They can change the rules, you know, anytime they want. And I just don't trust them. So the only exposure I have to China is in names like Apple, right? That's my yeah. exposure to China, but I'm not buying Alibaba or Tencent or any of that stuff. I, Cause there, I think there are too many opportunities in other places of the developed world that demand, uh, that demand, uh, investment dollars and not China. Can you know so I'm we, not in China at all.
3: I've ever told you this, this story. We had, a one of the people, you know, I hear from everybody all the time. And, uh, one of the guys says to me, "You know, I've got these clients—or not clients. We're putting together a software package in China, to, so people can trade on their on their phones. You know, a super yep. duper." And by the way, would you guys like to be in on that brokerage? And I'm going, well, I, you know, I, "Boy, oh boy, I don't." So I went to see the. This is ten years ago. I went to see the people over at IB. You know, we we do stuff at PTI here through IB. But my yep. a good friend of mine used to be a guy over there. Unfortunately, passed young. Uh, Billy McGowan. I said, Billy, these guys are asking me to do something over in China. How the hell am I, how the hell am I gonna do that? He goes, Well, that's easy. Give us. You want you want to you want to be a broker dealer in Hong Kong? We'll set you up tomorrow. I go. You're gonna do what? <laughs> oh yeah, we yeah. got there's a building over there. There's all kinds of people. You, you can't trade in China, but those guys can trade in, in Hong Kong. You can be you can be PTI Hong Kong. We're not even going. I said we're not even going over there. We're not even going over there. <laughs> it, 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 we ended up not doing it. But it would have been, would right. have been a, been a two-week deal. Right. And all of a sudden... Yeah, you know, no, I hear. And, and they said, oh, we'll handle the risk, we'll handle everything. And I'm going, Kenny, it can't be that easy without people getting in trouble. I, I, you know, whatever. Maybe. Maybe it was. And nobody, We'd have been fine with it, but I'm, I'm sort of glad I didn't do it.
2: Yeah. No, I hear you.
3: Uh, but, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I mean, so uh, today the numbers, uh, they come out...
2: So I, I, I think the number's going I don't think the number's gonna surprise, right? I don't think it's gonna surprise at a downside, but nor to the upside. I think it's gonna come right where they expected. And then I think that the that the trade types are gonna try to resurrect the narrative. I don't think the f I think the Fed's gonna push back on it, and then they're gonna stamp their feet. And I think we're gonna see the market back off a little bit. Look. Tech in Europe is is under pressure broadly across the board. It's down two point eight percent. The chip makers ASML, which is a stock I love, is down four and a half percent. That it, it, you know, you and I both know when the when the change in tone comes, it can happen very quickly. Well, yeah, you, right? But you it can don't happen think very, we're very quickly?
3: Why? why uh, like I said, I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there. I'm not predicting when the thing happened in 2000 and people thought because you know we, we were you know obviously we were in business. And there were people, we had clients that had a whole bunch of Oracle and a whole bunch of Cisco. And some people actually thought, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you just said a 5% to 8% correction at some points, probably healthy. And I, yep. nobody's going to argue yep. with you about that. But we had, we had one guy, uh, when I was, well, I still talk to his wife every now and then, uh, f- former wife. Um, and he he gets all his Oracle stock. And I'm going to say, Kenny, the stock was 55-ish or so. And he yeah. goes, well, you know, we better... Uh, I wanna hedge some of it so we but you know what it's I just wanna do like disaster puts, we'll buy the fifty puts. Okay, so we buy yep. the fifty puts. Stock drops to forty like in, yep. in a heartbeat. And uh, so we make he loses ten bucks on a stock, we make, you know, three on the puts. three yep. and a half maybe. It's better than a sharp stick in the eye, but it's not ten, right? So yep. all of a sudden he goes, Well, maybe now for sure it's it should be fine. Let's buy the forty fives. the stock drops to 40. Same scene. Then he says, well, there's no way the stock's going below 40. We don't need any puts or something. And he doesn't want me to buy anymore. I said, where did did the stock go? Like 15? I mean, it was an incredible demise. Then it turns out that the guy uh, screwed up his taxes and and the the stock he got at 50. everything on the way down is now capital loss, but the, the gain at 50 was... From his strike price at ten, that he had to pay at forty dollars ordinary income, and then couldn't write off the. Oh, it was a disaster, and he didn't huh. know that. He never told me that. He didn't know that. Uh, right. But I'm saying, if, if 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 like an Nvidia were to drop from seven twenty to six forty or six sixty, yeah. I think yeah. most people are going to say it's somewhat healthy. Nobody's ready for like a hundred, like what happened to those things. I mean I'm not predict- yeah, right. I mean, but I don't think anybody's ready for that. Do you?
2: No, not not at all. But I also don't think... Um, uh, listen, I'm I'm expecting NVIDIA is going to post another solid quarter, and I think they're going to give a positive forward guide. So that doesn't mean that the, tra- <laughs> that the trade types aren't going to sell the stock, even on positive news, because it's had this dramatic move higher. But uh, NVIDIA is a stock that I own. I'll continue to own it. Um, I, I, you know, I like it. And on a big pullback, I'd buy more. But, you know, on a small pullback, no. But on a bigger pullback, I absolutely would buy
3: uh, more. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I just one thing i've I've kind of noticed Kenny, but you know this again, you notice stuff you don't know if you can rigorously prove it uh by computer and you know uh is what what I seemed to me when, when I started in the business or even as I was trading all those years if if a stock was going to have a really good announcement, it sort of or even was rumored to have a good announcement, and Nvidia's going to have really good earnings blah. blah, blah. let's just, let's say that's the truth uh, yeah word you know market theory would be word would have gotten out somehow. Okay. Correct. And and the stock would kind of inch up, run up, whatever you want to call it to the day the earnings came out and then maybe there'd be a slight celebration to the upside because basically the real people right. are, the real people already knew. But now it seems right. like you get the huge run up and then when they get the news that everybody expects it doubles again. I mean, I,
2: it well, seemed- I mean, look, sometimes that's true, but look what happened to Microsoft and Apple and those names. They, In my mind, I thought they reported fine numbers, yet they sold those stocks off. <laughs> they had taken them up going into the, you know, buy the rumors, sell the news type of reaction. But, yes, there are cases where they'll run it up, and then it'll run it up even more, depending on... And I think they did that in NVIDIA last quarter, didn't they? Yeah, oh, Before yeah. Before they sold it off.
3: Uh, but, I uh, think uh, it did
2: but- sell off, but they ran it up first.
3: But this Apple... Um- have you ever seen a stack of that size uh be at all-time highs, basically with what four or five of the s- less six or seven quarters down revenue? I've never seen that.
2: No, I ha- no, I haven't. And uh but I think Apple is uh, I, I, it's funny. You know, I think Apple's just an anomaly, right? I, they 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 earn so much. What they earn 120 billion dollars yeah, well, in yeah. three months. Oh well, yeah. I it's mean it's a- crazy.
3: Right? I, I mean I get it. I just it, it is I mean, uh, we've seen companies massive, uh, all of a sudden, is it just the fact that they have that pricing power? They can just they can raise prices whenever they want?
2: Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I think so, certainly. and, and uh, and because it's such a global brand, right? But yes, I, and, and look, that whole thing about you know the, the disappointment because China, they only made $20 billion versus $23 billion in China. I'm like, are you kidding me? They made $120 billion in three months. That's unreal. Are you kidding me? I don't really care what happens in China with Apple. Oh, I just don't. yeah,
3: it doesn't really matter what happens. Uh, unless, right. they, unless they find a way to steal it from, which I don't think they're going to.
2: No,
0: right.
3: All right, take care of yourself, buddy. We'll talk to right, you next so week. I'll see you next week. SP Futures down 20, NASDAQ is down 131. Rewrite back, Stacks and Jacks.
0: 8810, or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. CognosHR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona.
1: Stocks, jocks, and stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now. Right here, right now, right now.
4: Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at That's matt at
3: All right, Stacks and Sacks. I'm t- Stacks and Jacks, I'm Tom. I Greg Pappas on the board. Great old song. I that was, you know, I'm not even sure it was in college when that came out. When did it come out? I bet hell knows. I'm gonna say, was that '68, '69,
5: Greg? I can check on that for you. Yeah,
3: you're uh, you're, you're good at this stuff. Uh, we have the professor.
5: Hey, Tom. How you doing?
3: I'm doing all right. How are you?
7: I'm uh, doing all right.
3: Um, everything good? Yeah, people, I just finished people, up my grading
7: for the. Uh, Winter term,
3: so... Were you slashing through it with, with a red pen?
7: Actually, uh, no, that's not my style anymore. It used to be. I used to give students F minuses. God.
5: 1965. 65, that,
3: so. wow. Yeah. It's, uh, those guys are still around. Yep. That's uh, good genes, I guess, with all the stuff they did to their bodies. But uh, can't beat good genes, Greg. You know, you just got to hope you have them, I guess. Uh, I remember uh, my, my class with uh, Milton Friedman... Um, and I was in a business school. Uh, in, in a business school, everybody just wanted to get their courses and get the hell out, right? Economic school, a whole different program. You know, the, uh, they had, uh, you could audit classes if you wanted to. Do you guys, do you have people do that?
7: Uh, yeah, there, there are a few people that audit classes. I think most most don't, though.
3: Well, they would... I think yep. Auditing a
7: class means, uh, you are not. I, I think it kind of means you're not sure that you're going to pass it, so you want to audit it first. And yeah, yeah. I think by doing that, you... Uh, your graduation
3: off a little bit. Well, the, in the economics school, these guys are professional students. Yeah. Where the oh. business school, they just wanted out. You know? so yeah. the whole, the whole different program. But, yeah. but I, I ended up because I, I was an economics major. I didn't have to take the basic economics classes. At uh, out of the twenty classes, two of them were supposed to be economics, right? So you had to do, like, eleven classes in your in the business school, and you could do nine out. But no, I, I passed out of two. So that means I could do 11 of them outside the business school. And since I was full-time on campus, I, I could have gone to law school at the other 11, which I really didn't want to. But uh, Anyway, it enabled me to take probably six or seven classes in the School of Economics. So talk, talk about a different world. Um, these, these guys, some of them were 35, 40 years old, still taking like a class here, class there in some Ph.D. program. And uh, as a matter of fact, the guy who... Uh, when I got in the business this is bef- way before Greg's time they had they had some machine called a MindCheck Weber and would you could you could do your theoreticals on for options but it was a mainframe thing so if, if as soon as another person sat down at a terminal all the t- all the other terminals sh- slowed down right so there was a next one was called a Schwartz and it was invented by a guy named Steve Schwartz and uh... It was the first time that the the, the computations and stuff were done on your machine. and They were just getting the feed. so it didn't matter how many people, as long as you had a machine, it was you. You were going to be fast enough. So I get in this class over there, History of Economic Thought, long before I even knew what a Schwartzatron was. And they were sitting across from me it was a guy named Steve Schwartz, who was it was Schwartz of the Schwartzatron. And, uh, <laughs> he was, and he was. Did he say,
7: "May the Schwartz be with you"?
3: Yeah, really. It was so. But but I mean, anyway, Milton Friedman had his class, and the guy, I did this at Notre Dame where I took the second half of a two-part class, and, and at Notre Dame, the guy goes, oh yeah, the first one, it's like on money, it was on money and banking, and he goes, uh, no, the first half was on banking, and the second half's going to be on money and, you know, money supplies and that kind of stuff, so feel free. So I did, and I did really well, and I, plus, he was a terrific guy, what a great teacher, so Milton Friedman had a two point two part class too, so I go see the guy. The guy's like five two, and I go, uh, 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 Professor Friedman, I'm just wondering if I could take the second part of the class. Oh yeah, it's all different stuff. Don't worry about it. Okay then, so I, t- I take the second half, and it was the only we had like an auditorium over in the in the business or the economics school. This old auditorium it had to be a hundred years old. All the air had been breathed before, and you know, all those kinds of places. So we're sitting in there and. He's got probably 100 people in the class. and the class, is all this calculus, all these, every, every su- supply curve, there wouldn't be one supply curve on the, on the chart. There'd be like 20 of them, every one of them with a different formula because if this happened, this changed, this derivative, I'm going, what, I have no idea what he's talking about. So he ends up, then he says the, the, the final will cover both, half, both quarters of the course, and I wasn't even in the first quarter. I'm sitting there, he's not doing this. Well, there was a take-home. And the take home was something like, uh, like a Time magazine article. Uh, Some firm did this, and the government did that for this new new project. Uh, Analyze this on a stock and flow analysis for the next thirty years. (laughs) Sometimes you know I'm sitting there like, what what is he talking about? You know, the costs and everything. else. Anyway, I I blow through the thing. I finally write it, and you know I I think it was okay. Uh, So I turn it in, and there's the final. And out of these hundred people. There may be twenty people taking the final, because because uh-huh. you could also withdraw in a class. So once you got the, the 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 take home, you could say, I I don't know what he's talking about, and just turn it in, and you would got half your tuition back, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, I gotta get I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be a professional student <laughs> like these other people. And he's 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 marking them in front of the class, the the twenty that were turned in, with a big red pen. Shh, shh. I'm sitting there going, every time I look up, he's going, I'm going, I go, that must be my. <laughs> <laughs> How how I even concentrated on this? Anyway, ended up getting a C from the guy. Uh, thanks, Milt. Uh, I had four A's and a C that quarter. No dean's list for me. Uh, I'm thinking, how? Could, first he told me it was going to be an independent thing. Then it wasn't. But I tell you what, I enjoyed every minute of it. The guy's brilliant. I mean, I. Well, hey,
7: that that's uh, that experience is worth it all, man. You, well, you got that story. I mean, yeah, that, that beats the uh, the C that you got, right? Oh
3: you yeah, but I, but I, well, yeah. At least it was, I, I was a. I can say, but I, I, mean, I don't. You
7: got a passing grade from Milton Friedman. Yeah, I
3: and, mean, and, and, I, and I only took half the class. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the the way he was slashing through the thing with the red pen, I'm going, what is this? <laughs> this is torture. Anyway, so you don't do that in front of people. You should. It it it, it delivers a message.
7: Uh, well, you know, I don't really do that. Um, in, in today's world, you can't do that. Um, I, I remember when in high school... Well, you were
3: given F-minuses. I, I never even heard of that.
7: Well, the effort was so bad that I was just uh, in shock about how bad it was. And I just had a, I just wrote an F-minus on there. My cousin Adam was right there watching me. And I was on vacation just um, before I got married. I think it was my third uh, year teaching out of my PhD. And it was just really, really... Was there luck. Was
3: there a comment... This is so bad, an F doesn't cover it. F minus, I invented a new grade just for you. I think I
7: said you. something sarcastic like, this is so awesome, I had to give it an F minus or something like that.
3: <laughs> why, why, why don't you do something different and give him give a, a G?
7: <laughs> well, an F <laughs> minus is funny. My cousin Adam still laughs about it. <laughs> okay.
3: Or an H. You're going to give him an H. Because <laughs> a G might have thought was good.
7: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've seen some, but now what I do is I, uh, I build these uh, algorithms and uh, and I have I, I hate grading so much. I really hate grading so much, and I think I think most professors hate it. Just I I, I can't I can't understand why anybody likes it. Is well, maybe it's maybe it's the quality uh, of work that's being turned in, and I think with tests, I think what happens with tests is
3: we lose you.
5: What happened now, Greg, did he mute himself or something? He started swearing. He had to dump him.
3: Oh, God. We can, he can swear on a podcast. <laughs> no, he's here somewhere. All right, we'll have him in a, we'll a second. I mean, that's why I think if you're a professor, if you possibly could, multiple choice is great. How can you, how can you screw that up? But I like the ones where they not only grade your answer... Grade, you have to show them how you got there, so they, they actually have to read the whole page if it's, if it's math or something.
5: Don't you think that GPT will take over a lot of
3: the, the grading? Well, I mean, it depends. If somebody if you to make people write an essay or something, you still gotta
5: still gotta read it, right? I think like if you put in your requirements for GPT and then have it read, it could probably be I... productive.
4: Plus my
7: internet. Oh, oh
3: okay. We're talking. Greg is now talking about how GPT is going to put you guys out of bed. I think you still have to read the stuff. That's why multiple choice has well, got to be easy for you I guys. Actually,
7: I actually use Ch- ChatGPT, but you know what I noticed in students? Uh, when ChatGPT was rolled out, here's an interesting thing. I know students are using it because of how they start their emails to me now.
5: <laughs> They're
7: all using the ChatGPT to write an email to the professor, seriously. You can easily tell, too. All of a sudden, the language changes, and everybody is using the same greeting right? So you know, they're just kind of dropping something into chat GPT and then asking it to edit it and then they, then they copy it back into their email and send it. So Chat GPT has changed a lot of things. And one thing students can't do yet with uh, Chat GPT is they can't game, it's really hard to game the models I create, um, these multi-part, multi-part models because that whole, that whole method of teaching where you write it on the board, students write it down, they've memorized it, they regurgitate it, they memorize it the night before the test, and then they dump it the, you know, a day later. They don't remember anything uh, day after the exam. So when I, when I started having these interactions with students and asking them what they, what they learned in class, I thought, you know, I got I to do it differently. And now what I try to do is I try to build these interactive models that we work together in class that are unique to every student because every student has different numbers, uh, or they might have a different situation. You know demand might have increased in mine but decreased in theirs right so using assimilation multi-part projects uh in class i think does a lot better job of helping students understand the economy i had one student last year at mercy university email me and just said i i actually saved email he he was just uh thrilled with uh how I presented the class—I mean, he really understood the economy, and it showed on his final presentation. I think he, he was talking about Malu, the uh, Argentinian uh, libertarian um, president-elect at the time. Um, he was bringing in that in his in his presentation and explaining the history of the uh, the Argentinian economy. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, you
3: know, that's got to be a fascinating study in monetary theory the Argentina yeah. Academy for the last 100 years.
7: Yeah, his it, it, presentation was just really fascinating. And to be honest with you, I was like, this this is above a macro principles final presentation. I mean, he really got into the class, and I think he really understood it. Most students, you know, in the econ class, they kind of wanted to just uh, get their C and get out, right? So I gave him a, a way to get a C in the class, um, but I, I cannot stand grading. And I will I will spend... Five hours creating an online um, lesson that we do in class together, and then having an accompanying homework um, so that I don't have to grade. Well, I, th- I think
3: uh, to a certain extent, Ali, you know, uh, and this is just from one man's experience, I mean, at some point, that's all you really have. But is I, I thought the stuff that I retained, Oh, first of all, the economic stuff I always retained because I, I was always interested in it. But yeah, uh, if, if you don't use something, you, you lose it pretty quick. I mean, I, uh, by the time I was done, I, did, I actually did the, you know, the, the real calculus thing second, uh, first year. Well, I did you? That.
7: I did calculus one, two, and three for fun, yeah.
3: Well, I did, I did that freshman year, and at the end of the yeah. freshman year, out of I don't know how many students, I probably was in the top 20 on the final test. Yeah, wow. But, but then I didn't, I didn't go on and use it either in, in medicine or in aerospace or in engineering or anything like that. Oh, no,
7: you, 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 can you, lose you could
3: lose it. You could have mean. given me that final exam... Two years later, and I wouldn't know how to start any one of those problems. And yet, yeah. other stuff—you you remember the history, you remember the uh, the marketing because you're doing it. You remember the taxes because you, it you it talk about. It. Definitely. I mean, you, you you remember all that stuff, and in fact, learn more as you go. But if there's something you just flat out stone cold stop, I don't I don't know how you retain it. I mean, to be honest with you, well, but
7: honestly, that's why I like being an economics professor because. Everything that I did in graduate school, everything I'm doing now, are just it's just fun, you know. Uh, solving a system of six equations to get these indifference curves to intersect on a line that intersect with indifference curves that intersect on the same line, you know. Uh, I have to use calculus, right? I have to use economic modeling. Uh, when I write research, I have to analyze data, but I have to go get that data, and then I have to clean the data, and then I have to uh, merge other data into it. Like maybe I have individual level data, at this, uh, and I have uh, people from every state, and I want to merge in to that state unemployment rates. Did we're you ever? Like, it's just it's just fun.
3: Did it's you ever? Uh, when I you were in Chicago, like I said, there wasn't much, well, except for Friedman's class, it wasn't a whole lot. But they were really big on this. Uh, you you being the mathematician, i me forgetting this or how long ago it was. I, I kind of like the kind of math where you actually got an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but then at University of Chicago, it was the whole other kind of math that I had never wandered into, the regression analysis, the integer programming, the uh, yeah. uh, what was the other, quadratic programming, that kind of stuff where all these max-min problems, like a, like a refinery mm-hmm. might use. or I was never – I didn't like that as much. I did – the first I stage
7: I think you'd like it if you uh, did it with Excel spreadsheets. Well, Excel does it, really, it has a really cool tool to help you solve it, and it makes it intuitive.
3: You do realize that if I use Excel, which I do for stuff, and there's a column there, I add the column up with my calculator.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, that wouldn't work really really well in my modeling uncertainty. No, um, no,
3: I think I'd have to get a little more advanced than that. I'd have to get the Excel for dummies book or something. But
7: Well, it might have been my... Uh, managing risk and uncertainty course uh, modeling it Um, i have students build a spreadsheet model and they have to identify their input cells and then all the other cells you don't enter any numbers into the inner cells or groups of cells into the formula so they're what and i the way to check that is you click show formulas and then if i did find any number uh where where a cell reference should be then they get points knocked off well
3: the stuff i'm talking about um, is really uh, in your day-to-day life. I mean, most of the listeners and, and you know the contributors that are listening. You, you don't realize it, but it's a huge part of your everyday life. And when I say that, when, when, if I were to say integer programming and network flow, as you'd say, what in God's name is this goofball talking about? <laughs> yet, yet every time you go to the airport, and and the and the two pilots show up, and not one and three quarters pilot, <laughs> which would be pretty hard to do. Uh, it's because those guys know what this is, because it's, it's yeah. a whole, it's a whole branch of uh, of uh, math, of that kind of math, of quadratic programming, where the the uh, the answers have to be integers. It can't be yeah. one and a half. It can't be one and three quarters, because you you, you, you got to show up with a pilot. You can't show up with a half a pilot. That mm-hmm. and and also your your other stuff is every time you see a UPS co- truck go down the street. One of the most difficult problems in all of math, I mean, it's not really the math that you talk about, Hal, but was the salesman coloring problem, remember? Yeah. And, and, and finally, did somebody sort of solve it? or You never really sort of solve it, but you, this is, if, if someone, it's real simple. If you're, if you're a guy or a lady that sells, say, you, say you're in the middle of Michigan and you've got to go see 15 high schools that week to sell them football uniforms, how do you minimize your trip? Yeah, it seems easy. It's not. It is very difficult. It's one of the toughest problems in math, isn't it?
7: Yeah. I, well, I watched the uh, a show on Netflix about this problem, and they were trying to solve it by they were they attached these RFID tags to bees, and bees, you know, over millions and millions of years have evolved into being very efficient, and they would observe the routes the bees took to, to the various plants. It was really fascinating. It's a really hard problem to solve. And, you know, it includes like things like, does the city have right turns? Yeah. Does it allow left turns, right? Because out west, the, the probably the best route to take would be to ensure that everybody's trained right when they leave the distribution center right. Well, I'm
3: not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the, the mileage between each one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because what you end up doing, I mean, most math problems, and we'll get we off the subject about the marketer, but most mass pro- math problems, you get an answer. The answer is 12 yeah. or something, you know. The answer is, you know, as, as Greg would say, your implied volatility is twenty two point four. There's an answer there, yeah. but this is you go this direction, you go that direction, then you pivot, you go another place. It's all trial and error, back and forth, back and forth. is a whole yeah. different brand of math than the stuff I like. But that's, yeah. but actually, were you ever involved in that stuff, or did you, you stick more with the calculus side?
7: Not, not really with uh, optimal um, optimal uh, routes. I don't really do a lot of optimal routes. Um, for in economics, it's, you know, mostly um, optimizing something like, you cost minimize or you maximize profits or you, as a consumer, maximize utility with respect to a budget constraint. That's what we do mostly in economics. Uh, but, you know, you know, teaching this class and risk and uncertainty, modeling risk and uncertainty is just, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, I love doing it. And, uh, you know, just... The, the spreadsheet models my, my students come up with, and the, the kind of really innovative tools that are are embedded in Excel, or you can add into Excel. It's just a lot of fun. And what I like doing is I like to see what when I when I give students a project like, create a spreadsheet model for this. I like to open it up and just see what they would have done versus me. And then I'll offer some I'll offer them some feedback like, well, why didn't you simulate a thousand of these these profit calculations you did and then calculate like the, the uh, probability that it was profitable versus the probability that it was not profitable. And I'll, I'll throw these little data tables in there that you can use to do like a Monte Carlo simulation and give them a percentage and they're like, wow, that's really cool. Or uh, we'll, we'll do a profit analysis and we'll change like something like prices using another data table. And then, you then, and, and behind it is this simulation and it's just really fascinating to see what students come up with. And, and, and the more creative they get, the, the better, I think, that I did that semester. You know, if they're what, not able to do it, then I think I did a pretty bad job. But if they're able to come up with something really interesting and creative, then I think I really did a good job. Well,
3: what, do you, what do you think of, uh, since we were talking options earlier, and, and Greg's a proponent, not a, a proponent, but he, he's the guy who watched the volatility a lot. What do you make of the entire option, essentially, uh, world of valuation is built on a formula that everybody knows is no good. I mean, or, or not no good, you at least have to know what it is. I mean, it. Uh, for the, those who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, um, when you go to price an option, and we're, and we're talking options were around long before listed stock options were. I mean, there was options on property, there was options on uh, manufacturing, facilities, you name it. And an option basically says I don't want to buy whatever it is today, but I, I want the right to buy the thing anytime over the next call it a year for this price and somebody's gonna go okay then uh, now now there's a bunch of stuff you have to know here first one is what's the price today right so if the price is a hundred bucks today say I want the ability to, bu- to buy this from you anytime over the next year for 110 bucks and somebody's gonna say okay so now what what do you get from this well if I if I pay you for this option I don't have to buy the property or option or whatever it is, the stock at a hundred bucks, so I don't have to pay interest on a hundred bucks. Now, nobody's worried about that so much the last ten years, but for a long time that was a big component of your call and put prices, right? All right. So you know the time to expiration, you know the current price, hundred bucks for the property or the stock, you know the interest rate. Um, now, what else, What don't you know? There's something else in there. Okay. what well, now why would I want to pay a lot for this or a little? Well, there's an expressway coming by. Uh, May or may not get a uh, an exit here, you know. If it doesn't, you know, I don't really want the property. If it does, the property might be worth 200 or something. So there's there's this other piece that nobody could figure out what exactly it is. And there were all kinds of iterations on this. And every time somebody came up with a theory, the theory was, well, if everybody knew that, it would be in the price of the property itself. Okay, so if everybody knew it was going to be more next year. The, the price of the property wouldn't be hundred bucks; it'd be hundred and five bucks, or the stock. So you can't use that one. So finally, they settled Black Shoals. What they did, they settled. You know what? We're going to take the annualized standard deviation of the, like the history of this thing, and that's what we're going to call the volatility because it works. It works mathematically. It actually doesn't a normal distribution curve; but it's, a log, it's a log normal curve because it can't go below zero. All right, so you've got that, and that became the volatility assessment. But it's—it was never thought to be accurate, Hal. But it's been used for how many years? Yeah. And 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 as long as you know the weaknesses in the in that model, you can use it very effectively. Yet, because it's easily calculated. But if you don't know the weaknesses, you're a little you know bleep out of luck. And a lot of times, I think. Now, and, yeah. oh, is that Why unique to this industry, or is it is it you've seen that other place? It's certainly not unique to to predicting the economy, because you'd say, well, yeah. go ahead.
7: It's been a while since I thought about the Black Scholes method. Uh, I think the guys won the Nobel Prize in '98 for it, right?
3: right uh, the... they they ended up winning the prize way way later. I don't know if it was it was just for that or what it was. I'm not sure.
7: Yeah, I, I think they they I think a lot of it was for the Black Scholes method, and I think the year they won it was like probably '98, if I remember right. It's been a yeah, while. But the
3: model was '97. but the model 97. was '72, '73.
7: And I think the model actually came from uh, th- this is all memory from graduate school because we talked about it a lot. Yeah, they, they
3: were all we were Chicago guys. So they were they were there. It was three or four years before I was in school.
5: Yeah,
7: but I think the model actually came from they adapted because I did this in my dissertation. But uh, um, I adapted a optimal tree harvesting model to um, model a per uh, a, a person's decisions to. Um, tap or harvest welfare benefits when government made those welfare benefits uh scarce by put a time limit on it so i adapted this tree harvesting model i took this natural resource class and then this tree harvesting model where the forest is finite and you have to figure out the optimal um, way to harvest those trees and i thought that would be an interesting model to apply to this idea that Households in the presence of, you know, five years of uh, welfare benefits, are they going to use those benefits today and harvest those five-year benefits today, or are they going to wait and use them in the future? Right. So I use this optimal tree harvesting model to do that. Uh, But I think the Black and Scholes model, I think what they did is they took this rocket trajectory algorithm, right? Because you want to keep the rocket on target. And you have to constantly update the rocket's path, right? And I think they took that mathematical model behind the rocket trajectory and then they applied it to... Uh,
3: well, it actually is is defining the unknown variable. Because you know yeah. you know four of them. Yeah. And you, you define the unknown. Matter of fact, there, there was a guy before, we got to go break here early so we can have these CPI numbers. Uh, there was a guy who had... The unknown element was called the sum of all future expectations for the stock. <laughs> and somebody finally goes, well, wait a minute. The, the, the sum of all future expectations of the stock should already be in the stock price. The guy goes, all right, we can't use that one. So finally, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, SP Futures uh, down 17. As if you're down 120, we're going to break a little early. We come back with the CPI numbers.
1: The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks. Stocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks.
3: You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, and jocks. I'm Tom Greg on the board. We're not going to be able to go through the stuff around the rest of the world because that's on delay, but... Let's just say if you're a conspiracy guy Greg, and not that you are, uh, you saw the market action of yesterday and today, you would have thought this number might have leaked, and here we are with a .5 number unadjusted, .3 adjusted, uh, worse than anybody wanted here. Uh, and the January to January, it's 3.1 and everybody was predicting a 2.9, so I'm going to say way worse than anybody thought. Spools uh, are down 44, NASDAQ futures are down 235. I've got the 10-year uh, 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 rate is up to 4.26 almost, 30-year up to 4.42. Uh, Greg, why don't you give us a real quick traffic weather sports. We'll have to fill the other stuff in, in a bit as it, as it moves here.
5: Yeah, morning, everybody. It is 7.31 now, about 31 in Chicago, uh, 40 today, alternating clouds and sun. Phoenix it's 45 right now, 70 today, mostly sunny, pleasant. Uh, Traffic, 22 minutes in from Montrose. We've got 41 minutes from Lake Cook. Eisenhower, 38 minutes in from Wolf. And the locals, 95th to the interchange is 25 minutes uh, via the Dan Ryan. And the Stevenson's, 35 minutes from 294 to the Ryan. Sports, Bulls beat the Hawks in Atlanta. That was 136-126. Coyotes lose at Flyers in the NHL. That was 3-5. And then NFL football Super Bowl sets TV ratings records with 123.4 million viewers, and that blew away last year's record of 115.1 million. And uh, that was about a 7.5% or 7 to 7.5% increase in viewership, some would say due to the Swifties. So I got Chief back here. probably as It was probably as good a game, though, forecast,
3: Especially since Kansas City had been underdogs two games in a row away and had won, they they were at the top of their game. And San Francisco is a great team. I mean, it, it's I really thought you know it was a, I, I never thought anybody was going to beat the Ravens, um, but they did. And uh, they're probably still I think they're probably still the best team, but they're not there. Right? Kyle so.
5: Shanahan is my favorite, my favorite genius. Just like the long-term capital of the stock market, he's he's got everything going for him, and they still blew up.
3: uh, We're got S and P's now down fifty-five, and Nasdaq is two seventy-two. Hal, what the bleep over?
7: Well, honestly, it's not great. If you were listening to us for the last month or so, it's not really that surprising to me. No, Uh, I'm just not surprised at at all. I think the Fed is reinflating, and I don't. I think the Fed has. The only way the Fed can't reinflate is if it raises interest rates any any, uh, uh, more. Because what's happening is there's so so many reserves that have been printed into existence. They're just sitting in the banking system. And they leak out. It's like water leaking out over the top of a dam. Reserves leak out, and they try to bottle it up with interest on reserves, which is a price floor. And they have to keep interest rates high. And I think what we're seeing here is – Maybe they have to raise the, that that dam even higher to prevent that inflation from leaking out that that money that's been created. So to me, it's not surprising at all. Um, what is surprising is that they actually printed the number. You know, I, I was I was expecting them to print uh, a smaller number, but I think maybe maybe people maybe, maybe uh, just general people are not really buying it. And maybe they have to be honest. I don't know, but to me, it's just not very shocking. At all all
3: well, of the, the ex ex food and energy yeah. month over month unadjusted, it's point six. That's brutal.
7: Yeah, I know. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I have a question for you along those they, lines. I think
7: they have to. Be, I think they have to be honest. I think they have to be more honest than they have in the past, and and uh, because I don't think people are buying it. I honestly don't think people are buying it.
3: I have a. Sort of a you know, as you know, we have all kinds of different opinions on the show, and 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 just among people, and it's not like anybody's right or wrong. It's just kind of wherever you wherever you land, whatever your view of the world and people. Uh, my my brother is uh, four years younger. maybe three and a half. He's a president of PTI, does a spectacular job. Dan's the nicest guys, and boy, if ever you want to talk about your portfolio. And, you don't like me, he, he's the guy.
7: He's got the personality capital?
3: Yeah, he does. He's probably better than me at personality. I'd say <laughs> easy. Uh, but anyway. I
7: have a brother like that too. Just, but, just a good dude. Most, just and like
3: uh, help anybody. Well, anyway, that all being said, I mean, his opinion, and he was not... I was, when I was working at Allied, he was still in college, right? And remember when I was working for Pullman. So he... He didn't get as much of a of a his history of the first time through this mess, and I don't know. Maybe I've been a little closer to him being president of the firm. He has all kinds of other stuff to do. Maybe I've been a little closer to the policy changes going through all this mess. You know, as a as a trader, to this, the 87 fiasco, the 2000 fiasco. Maybe it's just more emblazoned on my forehead more than his. But he's he's convinced that these are generally really good people. Trying their best, and when they screw up, it's sort of an honest mistake. And and you know, it's a very tough subject. It's a tough job, and you know, stuff happens. I I keep saying every single time there's a mistake, the same people win and the same people lose. And I've got yeah. more of a of a pattern going in my head than he does. It doesn't make me right. Doesn't make me, me doesn't make him wrong or anything like that. It's just sort of a different thing. I, I I'm becoming more of a conspirator on this. But even having said all that, when I when I thought these guys were straighter, I always say hell. You know, even in the seventies, the when I was doing dealing with this on a monthly basis at Pullman, meaning the in- inflation stuff and uh, escalation clauses and, and contracts and all the other stuff, that's what I did. Uh, it struck me that the consumer price index was a very lagging phenomenon, and I, and I never could quite figure out why, but it always seemed to be two, three, four months behind, and and yet I know there's people checking literally the price of rice this week. So as to why they're behind, I never could quite figure it out, but, but I think they are. It's a lagging indicator.
7: Well, I think the reason why it feels like that because it is.
3: But, but I don't C- exactly know why, because, I mean, people well, are doing the stuff on a daily basis. That's their job.
7: Well, uh, consumer prices, which is what the CPI picks up, the changes in those prices, they're not, they're not only affected by uh, demand and supply you know, supply issues, right. maybe increased demand this month, decreased demand that month. Um, it's also influenced by money. And so um, we have conflated uh, monetary inflation with price inflation. And when when you have a, when you have inflation that's really out of control, that's almost all excessive money. Oh, I,
3: we're, we're out of doubt. But I mean, yeah. what, what I'm saying is if, if you go through the list of detail we're just, we're just talking semantics here a little bit now. We're not arguing at all. Like, I mean, if you look at this stuff, this stuff is incredibly detailed. And I'm just reading, I'm just reading the undetailed one here. Cigarettes, cosmetics, perfume, bath, nail preparations. I mean, somebody's job is last month to go to Walmart, look at the crap, or wherever they go, and look at the crap and say, okay, last month it's up half of 1% or not up at all. I, mean, I, I, don't, I guess I don't understand how that could be so lagging, but, but let's just say it is. My question to you is: Is is the bump we've seen this month is just stuff that was always there and is not just being recognized, or is it new this month? I guess, and I don't know the answer to that. What they're showing, I, I think it's new this month, in addition to lagging. So I'm I'm, I'm with you on that, in the sense it, that it could
7: be it could be the fact that maybe they're just being more honest, maybe they're not. You know, I, I'm not I'm not saying. Honest in the in the sense that the, the people are criminal. Maybe maybe they're working for the administration and they like the guy that's currently in the administration. So maybe they they you know subconsciously you know kind of present things in a way statistically that it's on the lower end, right? But there the, there comes to a point where you know you can't do that much longer. Maybe that has something to do with it. It goes back to like what was happening in the Obama administration. Remember the. Uh, October jobs report right before the election. Yeah. The unemployment rate um, all of a sudden, like, uh, I think it dropped like, uh, from like 9.1 to like 8.3 or something like that. A, a massive drop in right before the election. And a bunch of people on the right were, you know, saying that the BL, uh, government's lying to boost Obama. It ended up being some guy a year later that was stuffing surveys so he could go on vacation early, right? Uh so if one guy can do that, just think about people who really like the current president. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to like the current president, but you're gonna present things in a way that maybe makes him look better than he's actually performing. And if you don't like the current president, and that's the thing about statistics. You can do this with statistics. You don't like the current president, you can you can uh, do things in a way, and, you, and maybe it's at a, a subconscious level, but you, you can uh, submit information, that makes the current guy not look so good. And that's the problem with these government statistics. Uh, they're 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 fungible, right? Especially the housing component. And and we know about we've been talking about the, the healthcare component, right? Well, I'm, looking, very- I'm looking
3: right at it. Yeah. So when you can't when, when there's some when you go from just a delay, just a mistake, somebody stuff in surveys. I'm yeah. gonna say that the since when I go back and look at the inflation, I'm gonna say we've been collectively given misinformation. Notice how nice I am today instead of saying lied to? Collectively yeah, yeah. giving misinformation since at least 2000.
7: Okay? Oh, I agree 100%. Because yeah. all right, all
3: right, so, medical care services are still 6.5% of your basket. And I'm going to yeah. say it's 21% of the economy. So how in the hell is it 6.5% of anybody's basket? Uh, and I'm going to say that that has benefited every single president since 2000, which means Bush, it means Obama. It doesn't matter who's in office. These guys are not telling you the number here, and they're not telling you how much Medicare, as Carl's always ran about, how much Medicare is behind the eight ball in Medicaid in terms of uh, deficit spending. They're not going to tell you. And here's one. This is recent, by the way. In the last year, health insurance, they've got it down 23% year over year. And they've got it 0.58 percent of your basket. Well, I'm telling you, if you're paying it flat out for your family, it's 2,500 dollars a month, at best. And I don't see how that's 0.6 percent of anybody's basket unless you're 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 uh, you know Carl Icahn or somebody. I mean, uh, but you know you know what, you know what somebody. This is how convoluted they got on this now. Somewhere along the line, hell, and I don't know if this is this formula is that screwed up or there's some theory behind it. Maybe you could tell me, but. What they've done is they've said they're looking at the retained earnings of the insurance companies yeah, as a crazy. way to figure out. Now, but now, if you're if you're president, and you I don't know if presidents look at these things, but if you did, I'm looking down there, even if I was in the Oval Office, I wouldn't sit there and go, wait a minute. How, how did you idiots come up with a, a 23% decrease in health insurance? How could you publish that number in, with a straight face?
7: I, yeah, I don't understand it either. There's I no mean, way that is legit.
3: And yet there it is. I mean, so I think if you were to take, if you went back to 2000 and you were to say, uh, don't don't even go all the way to 20%. Say medical care services have been 15% of the economy. I'll bet you could make a case that the inflation would have been 2% higher every year since 2000, maybe 1.5%, and that virtually every year we have been in a recession.
4: Yep, exactly. That's all it
3: well, would we ta- he- take. It's changing that uh, one was- number.
7: I think the government statistic that's the hardest to uh, mess with, whether intentionally or not, uh, is nominal GDP. I think that one's pretty easy to figure out what it is, right? Also, M2 is pretty easy to figure out. Well,
3: uh, what about uh, the PCE? They just don't tell you.
7: Yeah. But if you look at nominal GDP, if you just look at nominal GDP since 2012, it's roughly up if you use a geometric average if you use geometric averaging from like two thousand twelve to the present, it's probably eight to nine percent a year, right? If you look at M two, it's probably eight to nine percent a year. What does that mean? It means that we've had no growth, and it's all inflation, right? And if you look at the, if you look at my latest post today on Twitter or X, I talk about it. I mean, you, I mean, you got, we got one heck of a housing bubble here. The difference between two thousand six and seven and eight is they didn't pop it this time. It looked like they were gonna pop it, but, but man, they, they've, uh, they're they have not popping it, and the thing's heading back up. So we have one heck of a housing bubble. And so what that tells me, it's all inflationary. It's all, all the, these deficits that they we're running every year, our, our net total debt is what, $33, $34 trillion. Our annual budget deficits are a trillion. Interest rates aren't going down. And this inflation thing's not over uh, because they've not popped anything. They're not going to pop it. I don't know. I mean, if they are, are they going to do it next year when there's no election?
3: I I don't see them doing it at all. I don't, yeah. I don't because nobody wants the market going down because that's where that's where all the rich people have their money. Well, yeah. and, and, so and I, not I, just rich people. Everybody. Has. A lot of my season. clients have their money in there, so I don't want to pop going down either. But, it, yeah.
7: but, but the, we're we're going to have more inflation, which means the Fed's going to have to keep interest rates high to keep it from turning into hyperinflation.
3: I would I would and say that there's a chance that uh, from you know. Some experience uh, that you might end up with a your near term rate being where it is now five and a half, and if inflation comes back, you might get a, a long ten year rate of like eight to ten, yeah. which is kind of what we had before. Right, we, we, we were at twelve at one point because if infl- inflation is going to be well, what's point six times or point five times twelve? You know, it's six percent, right? Yeah. So if you're going to but if you're going to lend money to somebody. You want <laughs> the six percent degradation in your money, plus something for somebody using your scratch. Say two, two to three. Uh, actually, in the history of economic thought class, the guy, the, the professor said, one of the mo- one of the most sta- um, solid standard uniform numbers in all of civilization has been the real interest rate, because it's been at two and a half percent over. I mean, or three or percent if in the Stone Age, if you if you. If you loan somebody a hundred rocks, you wanted a hundred and three back at the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, because why should you give him your rocks for nothing? I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, right? I mean, why, but now we have a whole generation that's convinced that why should why, why should they give me anything for my money? Well, duh. Well, yeah. Why shouldn't they? They're using it. They're making something with it. But I I don't know how you you know, all you go through and adjust all this. I mean, what would happen if we went back and said, oh, "I want right, let's let's adjust medical care services." Um, to to whatever it was supposed to be, you know, all this whole way. Plus I, I think it's gotten so high. What I'm noticing, Helen, I don't know if you're seeing this in New York, I mean you talk to a lot of people. The new the new medicine here, I don't I think people are avoiding treatment because a lot of these new policies you gotta pay forty percent of the gig in the hospital and then nobody can afford that. I yeah, I mean I
7: was I was reading about McDonald's. McDonalds is worried about uh sales to uh middle income people and poor. And uh, they're seeing those people um, eating at home. They can't afford, you know, $18 Big Mac. You no. Know, right? No. So, I, mean. I think what happened to a lot of companies thought, we're going to use this, uh, you know, this reported inflation of 12% a year. We're going to use it to jack up prices really quickly because we've been getting crushed by inflation. And then what happened is they jacked up their prices so high that now they're starting to see people are like, can't afford it we're going to stay home and so that's what that's one thing that inflation does to people at the middle income or lower it now all of a sudden you can't afford any of your wants and you can barely afford your needs so you really start trying to find creative ways to buy those needs and I think that's one of the, the big issues a company like McDonald's gonna be facing here pretty soon I mean I, I don't I can't see them raising prices anymore I don't. I don't think incomes at the median level or lower are keeping up with inflation. I just don't think they are.
3: Well, the the cost of uh, the cost of uh, actually, I got this quote. I'm not just going to use the guy's quote without saying who he was. This is this is a long time ago. This is before COVID. The head of White Castle of all places was on the air, and they said, "What is the most, uh, you know, biggest problem facing the restaurant industry?" And he goes, "The spread between." Eating at home and eating out has never been higher, and that was yeah. before COVID. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm certainly not like Kenny, who's, you know, has been in the restaurant industry his whole life and is a terrific chef. But I'm not a half a half-assed bad Italian cook, and I know I can go out and get some shrimp, some scallops, or or, or chicken. I don't even need that. I can get some chicken, make a real nice, uh, uh, you know, Alfredo sauce with some noodles in there, and make it. As good as any restaurant for six people, and it cost me maybe 10 bucks. Yeah. And those six people ordering at a restaurant, it's 22 bucks a piece.
7: Well, here's something my mother in law has been noticing. She loves, you know, seafood, you know, shrimp and, and uh, salmon and all kinds of different fishes. She'll, she'll, she's been going to the, the same markets for like 20 years, same shopping markets, same grocery stores for 20 years. And every time she comes home with the, the fish or the shrimp or whatever, she goes, it's not fresh. It's almost to the point where it's going to spoil. And she noticed this in the last year or two. It wasn't the case like three years ago, yeah. but it is the case now. So what's happening is that people are, you know, maybe these grocery stores are trying to find cheaper suppliers. And those suppliers are going to be providing fish that is marginal right well and you, go to bodegas, you go to the bodegas here in new york and they're selling milk that is expired by a day or going to expire in one day not a week right so people are hanging on to that inventory that they probably should have thrown away
3: well since we since the COVID situation more than people need to know i, I love to cook so sometimes after the show before the market opens i'll cook breakfast for everybody just you know it relaxes me after the show and plus i love to cook So it means I go, plus it means I shop every week. So I can actually talk on the air like I've been shopping because I have, unlike maybe the president or the center.
7: Unlike Bush, unlike Bush 1, you want to know the price of milk, (laughs) right?
3: Well, because, I mean, but I notice that since they have all these rules and so forth regarding dates on everything, um, especially there's this one Meyer store, and it must be the one for the whole area that they, if they screw up on a date and and you're going to buy pork sausage or something, and you have to use or freeze it in the next three days, they'll cut the price in half. Mm. So I'm dutiful about that. I'll buy it, bring it into the office, and I'll use one the next day, and I'll freeze the rest. And it's fine. But, I mean, you can see what what they're... But if you don't shop kind of like that... But I also go to the... uh, I'm a a member of the Restaurant Depot, which is supposed to be wholesale only. And they've got a big fish thing in there. If you go see salmon, this is why I, I, I don't... Sometimes there's some kind of fish I don't order out. I mean, your wife probably knows more about it than me. If you go to the Restaurant Depot, there's probably six different kinds of salmon. Yeah. I and mean, there's one that's actually wild caught, like yesterday. <laughs> that might be God knows what per pound. Then there's this farm raised, that farm raised, this farm raised, and you get down to the ones where they actually have to spray the, the the color on it to make them look good. They're they're still salmon, you know, but they might be six bucks a pound, where the other ones fourteen. <laughs> You know, so if you go to, you know, depending on the restaurant you go through, that's why every place you go, uh, especially, the, you know, if you get fish tacos or anything like that, it's always going to be tilapia. It's going to be farm-raised. And, and uh, you know, I, I actually read this thing once. Some lady said there's two items that are on the list of the best things you can eat. They're also on the list of the worst things you can eat, of the top ten. Now, you may ask yourself, wait a minute, how can that be? Can you name what the two are? Salmon? Salmon is one of them. Shrimp? Shrimp is the other one. Yeah. I mean, if you get, I go to the depot, the guy says, buy the shrimp here. He goes, they're, they're, they're caught in the Gulf versus the stuff at Costco that are farm-raised. Because the only difference is you got to devein them. And I said, well, I don't mind doing that. Well, actually, I do mind doing it, but I'll do it. Uh, you got to debate them. I said, okay. And They are delicious. Now, the farm-raised ones, eh, not, I don't necessarily want to feed those to anybody. Yet, everywhere I go in a restaurant, I know that's what I'm getting, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, your your wife is 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 very shrewd in the sense that I mean, you can get uh, catfish usually can get pretty fresh. You know Here, talk- we're talking we're talking, you know, whatever. But the point is, how much are you, are you are you stiffing people? But I I think this medical stuff. I mean, Kenny he said it on the air, so I can repeat it. He said he had a uh, some COVID that was bugging him a couple weeks ago. He went to the hospital. He was out of there in an hour with something they gave him was sixty two hundred bucks. Wow! How, what? 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 How do you me being my background in cost accounting? What kind of overhead rate do you have? Some yeah. some some nurse technician doesn't make her bad, or him uh, checks you out. I don't know if he saw a doctor. If he did, it was for five minutes. Okay, so the guy makes. Five hundred hours an hour, all right. So say say you, you, hit, him, you hit him up for a whole hour, Well, there's five hundred. Now you're still a long way from. What's the overhead rate? Four thousand. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be something astronomical. I mean, I mean, how, how exactly do regular people? I mean, if how can you afford that? I mean, it's by by what stretch is an hour in a hospital where you're not doing surgery or something on somebody? How is that worth? Uh, what's you know most the median wage is twenty bucks. I'll do the math. How is that worth three hundred hours of your work?
7: Yeah. Well, you know when when things like that happen, uh, people will figure out different things and they'll they'll cut back. And I will tell you, Kenny just should have asked me what to do. Well, I, I've been taking zinc and quercetin in the form of elderberries or blackberries or blueberries, vitamin C powder, uh, azorbic acid, and uh, vitamin D since uh, probably March of 2020. And I haven't had a cold. I mean, if I've had a cold, it was a slight cough. I haven't had a flu. I used to get three or four flus, um, really bad flus or colds, a winter. I haven't had one of those. But now
3: you've already had them. You can't get them again.
7: Well, no, I mean, I used to, every summer, every winter, I'd get three or four bad flus or colds, every winter. And when I started doing research about viruses, and what things you can do to protect yourself, to boost your immune system, zinc, quercetin, vitamin C and vitamin D.
3: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm with you and on we, all we that. We've been
7: on, have been on that. We've been, the whole family has been on that since March, 2020. And we barely get a, a sniffle. now.
3: Well, Audrey's, barely. Audrey's dad. I think he, I don't know exact age he went to. He was a terrific. guy. made it to, I think I'm thinking 96, 98, somewhere in there. Uh, and he was sharp as a tack to like two weeks before. And, uh, Audrey says to him one day, "I'd like to take you to lunch, but there's this cold going around." He says to her, "Hey, if if it's out there, I've had it." <laughs> between you know, the guy was in, uh, in a, the Pacific during the war. He was did the uh, Trans uh, Canada uh, Highway. He goes between in ships and all that stuff next to all these people. If there's a cold or flu, I've had it. You know, Audrey says, "You know." Come to think of it, he didn't have one for like the last 12 years of his life. He must have had them all.
7: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing I heard about uh, colds is that uh, if, you, if you get two or three bad colds uh, a year or flus, your immune system is really robust. And I, and I was reading this during the pandemic. I read a lot of stuff about uh, viruses and whatnot. And I, and I read that um, in this one article that if you, if you tend to have those kinds of, you know, colds, uh, you're less susceptible to cancer if, as opposed to somebody really? who takes really great precaution to never get.
3: Well, then that uh, means that means nobody who traded in the OEX pit where 15 people coughing in your ear should ever get cancer.
7: Here, here's something really, really interesting I learned the other day, Tom. You know, medicine. You know, science tells us to do certain things to avoid certain things, but the wolves in Chernobyl have been living. Under that radiation, six times the normal dose of radiation in Chernobyl for the last what forty years? Yeah. Apparently, these wolves, because they've li- been living in this radiation, have developed grounder-like resistance to radiation. They're they're resistant to cancers. Really fascinating. It's like that that TV show on the CW. All
3: right. Little- well, well, we'll 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 cover that next. We got two minutes. Market's down on sixty five points. Nasdaq's down over three hundred. Um, is this a tread a, a turner here, or is this a buy the dip? Is some of the stuff we've talked about uh, that is hanging over the market? Are we going to get away with it and shoot the arrow through the middle, and have the next few years people's wages gradually go up, and without some kind of a, a real correction, or are we going to are we going to get it?
7: Uh, Inter- interest rates are going to remain high. They have to to keep the inflation bottle up. Um,
3: well, guys, you know, I've got the the, the ten year now is four point two eight. It's up. 2.5%. That's a massive... I don't think interest
7: rates are going anywhere. And well, the Fed is going to have...
3: Well, I'm be, talking about the 10-year.
7: Inflation inflation's not going anywhere. I mean, we got $1 to $2 trillion deficits every year. Our interest payments are going to be $1 to $2 trillion a year. So, the, the Fed's going to be printing money, and at, at the same time as printing money, it's got to somehow keep it bottled up in the banking system. And the only way that it does that is by raising is interest
3: Is today's rates. report going to cause them to pull back on putting money in, or no?
7: They're they're not lowering the rates. I don't think they're no, I mean I
3: I'm, I'm talking money supply. Oh. they're well, up a hundred they're up a hundred billion last month. Are they gonna stop that or no?
7: Well they, they gotta keep printing money. So they gotta in order in order to pay for these deficits to buy the bonds that Treasury needs to sell, they gotta they gotta buy the the treasury, so they gotta print money. So they're gonna keep pouring money into the banking system. But in order to keep it in the banking system, they gotta keep interest rates high or they gotta ratchet them up.
3: Well, I mean so they're not gonna let the The long term just go up on its own you think they're going to actually might even raise the short term
7: well i think i think the long terms are going to go up on their own i think the market's going to price them higher and the fed's going to to keep up with it i mean i i think the fed i think the market's doing the job of the fed and the fed is just keeping the interest rates high to keep all that money they've created or all that money they're going to create in the banking system
3: the easiest way would just be to take it back out but they're not going to do that
7: they can't do that no
3: no, that would that would that would tank the market. Well, the market's getting tanked here pretty good right now. It bounced If they lower
7: interest rates, those reserves are going to pour out.
3: Really? Well,
7: you, are pour out in the, in the form of inflation, and it's going to be worse.
3: And, uh, so, uh, Al, have a nice weekend, buddy. Did you? Did your team win in this? What if you would have taken the over at forty-seven was, and a half? I was
7: hoping for the Lions, man. I really wanted the Lions to do it. Well, but, I, I didn't have a I didn't have a horse in that race.
3: I would have liked to see the Lions in there, but yeah. uh, whatever. I mean the. Uh, I like the fact that the the under one, even with the overtime, by half a point. Yeah.
4: It's
3: forty-seven and a half, and you had to figure...
7: Well, it was bad when uh, 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 San Francisco busted, right? They had... Well, they were on 19, and they ended up with 22. Yeah. <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <busted>.
3: God. <laughs> they, they busted. I love it. That's a blackjack reference for those who don't know that. NBF is up 66. Feu- down 66, sorry. NBF Feu- is down 310. That, that'll leave a mark. Al, thank you. Have a good weekend, or have a good weekend. weekend. talk to you next week. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks.
4: Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. med Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.